Dawn on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Well, a big thanks to the two Johnnies for driving us through the weekend. It is Tuesday, January 13th and 30th, I should say. And you're listening to Game On with me, Shane Dawson, alongside Ruby Walsh. Coming up this evening, Ronan O'Gara gives us his unique perspective on the upcoming Six Nations. In soccer, Tony O'Donoghue, Stephen Kelly, Alan and Alan Cawley look ahead to tonight's FAI board meeting about the next Irish manager. And there's five fixtures tonight in the Premier League. All that, plus we've ongoing action in the African Cup of Nations, plus Ruby will be setting us up for the Dublin Racing Festival. As always, if you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552. We're on X at Game on 2 fm or you can WhatsApp us on 087-187-9200. Game on on 2FM. Happy 30th of January, Ruby, not the 13th of January. Although it's been a while since I've been on with you, so happy new year yeah. to you. Thanks, Shane. Same to you. 30th of January. God, where did January go? I feel January is the only month in, in 2024. Alan Colley is in studio, not to uh, discuss um, dates, but to discuss soccer this evening. However, a bit of golf news news I just read on the uh, RT Sport website. Tyrrell Hatton has become the latest player to join Live Golf and will make his debut in Mexico uh, this week as part of Masters champion John Ram's team. The world number 16 has career earnings of more than £20 million which equates to €23.4 million Euro, having won six times on the DP World Tour in the 2020 Arnold Palmer Invitational but has not lifted an individual title for three years so he's the latest player to join Live Golf. Alan Colley you feel there might be someone else on the way? Evening Shane, evening yeah. Ruby. Well, I did say to Ruby a couple of weeks back, we were discussing this around, I think it was the John Ram stuff, and I said Ruby, or Rory will be next. And Do you still have those feelings? Absolutely, even more so now. It seems like it's it's kind, it's kind of okay to do it now. Uh, Terrell Hatton is obviously getting in at the right time because there has been no real mm. outcry from people, I suppose. Um, big money on offer now I thought Rory was on I'm not sure if you listened to the Stick to Football podcast when he was on with the yeah. lads and I thought he explained it really really well um, and given his reasons behind why he was against it initially and then he became the kind of spokesperson he felt then the PGA kind of went behind his back a little bit and he was felt aggrieved over that rightly so but I will not be one bit surprised to see him cross the divide okay okay well it will be interesting times in golf I wonder will say I wonder will either of them last. I wonder will Live Golf last. This is meant to be amalgamation as well. But I wonder will the PGA last as well. I wonder is this the beginning of a whole new golfing world? Yeah, that's a good point, Ruby. And and it's something that I've, I've not really heard anyone else suggest. But the way Rory McIlroy was explaining, I suppose, the PGA side of things that day it was almost making out like they just can't compete with the live stuff. And that's why initially they, t- they thought the fight was we can, but then the, the longer that was going on and the more money was being racked up, and um, especially when they started going down the road of, I suppose, the legal side of things, and they just couldn't keep up, whereas you feel as though the Saudi Arabian stuff is a bottomless pit. Is it a complete takeover eventually? Is, mm. that, is that what might happen? Who knows? Who knows? We are left to speculate and many people are speculating who is going to be the next Republic of Ireland men's national team manager, Antonio Donoghue, has been uh, spending this afternoon 
at the uh, FAI. Who knows? Yeah, the Who FAI. I, I, like, th- there's no white smoke, basically, is my question, Tony. If Tony, I don't know who doesn't know. No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, there will be white smoke, but it mightn't be tonight. And I think uh, a, an appointment would be much closer now than we've been hearing. I think it's pretty imminent. Uh, but it may oh. not be tonight. The board are meeting. And uh, this, I think the hope originally was that tonight's board meeting, which was in the calendar for a long time, uh, was going to ratify uh, the appointment, having uh, Mark Hannum and Jonathan Hale and Packy Bonner met with the various candidates and would probably put forward their recommendation. But there's been something of a stall in that, it seems. Uh, but today wasn't just about the board meeting, which is ongoing as we speak. Uh, I'm outside FEI headquarters and... Uh, the Football Association of Ireland sign is all lit up. I don't remember that in the dark winter days when I've been out here in the past. So Film's back, Tony. Quite Film's nice. back. <laughs> Maybe it is, yeah. A uh, lot of activity around here today with all the various teams. You can you can tell the season is starting. Uh, you know, cups were being brought back uh, to be shined up for league launches and that, and academy teams were training. But, you know, the real business of football isn't just about the boardroom, but this boardroom meeting tonight is very important. But even before the boardroom meeting, uh, there was an induction, um, I suppose, process for, uh, in particular, the, the new members of the board. And, and they had to be, you know, made aware very clearly of their of their obligations uh, as directors, as their responsibilities. Uh, and some of the directors told me that that was that was the most important part of today because it is quite an onerous uh, responsibility to be a director of, you know, as high a profile, uh, you know, entity as the Football Association of Ireland. Um, and so there are new members. There's a new independent chair as well, uh, Tony Kyohan. And uh, he said it was a, a board training session. He said that's uh, fairly standard for all boards. He would have a lot of experience having been a former CEO of the likes of uh, Tesco. Uh, but uh, as well as that uh, induction or, or training session for directors, then there was the uh, the meeting, which we think started around four o'clock. Uh, and some of the directors said to me they expected to go on till at least eight, eight thirty, maybe longer, because as well as the manager position, which of course uh, will be discussed, I think uh, Mark Hannum, the director of football, Jonathan Hill, the CEO, and Packy Bonner will will you know explain to the other members uh, what's happened so far, uh, whether there has been a bit of a, a stall in negotiations, um, because it did seem. To be fair, that there was a you know a, a lot of force behind uh, the Lee Carsley for Ireland job that he he fitted the criteria. Uh, they do want someone who is a head coach as such, rather than a, the traditional manager. They do want someone who can, I suppose, work on the player pathway, be a part of the the whole move from underage football through to the senior side. Um, and of course, when you know other managers have been almost there in the past, I'm thinking back to Giovanni Trapattoni when that deal was nearly done, and then there was a bit of a, a halt. And then you know it was important that not only did he have Marco Tardelli as his assistant manager, but Liam Brady came in as well. Uh, and you could almost say the same about Martin O'Neill. He had Roy Keane as a, an assistant. Of course, it was a long time at that stage where we were wondering if John Robertson was going to come in as well. So uh, it's not just finances, although that's important. I think there's a lot of other issues. To to be gone through uh, but the preferred candidate I would say is probably still Lee Carsley and I would still think he's very much in the race Still very much in in the race which is has Alan Colley's eyes lighting up here you're, you're, you're surprised by this Yeah because I thought that was um, 
last week that when he did that sort of U-turn or maybe the concerns that were raised on his part that maybe that was him backing out of it but I'm glad that Tony has obviously confirmed that he is still very much in the race because I think he would be a very good appointment I never thought at the very start uh, when this process started that we would get him and, and prize him away from the England or 21s at this moment in time I thought his stock was fairly high there and it could be a club management job in England so I thought it would have been a challenge to get him then I thought we had him then I heard about the U-turn mm. but it's good to hear Tony is saying that now Stephen Kelly but you Woods. haven't heard anything from Lee Carsley and you haven't heard anything officially from the English FA there were kind of sources within the English FA saying that he was uh, you know happy as England under 21 manager why wouldn't he be having a, a European Championship triumph under his belt and some of the, the best prospects in, in world football at his disposal at the moment but um, you know there's maybe a, a, a grow a calling for uh, the Irish job as well you know uh, currently 40 caps for the Republic uh, always like enjoyed his time playing for Ireland and maybe he sees in the um, in the players that are coming through an opportunity to mould a decent team into the future because a lot of people will have said that you know Stephen Kenny did the hard work by you know blooding all these youngsters and now if we can get them playing in a, in a coherent and a cohesive way that we may have uh, around the likes of Evan Ferguson uh, something to work on a team for the future well, to have that no news from Lee Carsley, Stephen Kelly, would you take that as good news that he hasn't... Sorry, guys, I'm just a... Can I system at the stadium? Just comes on as soon as you call... Come on, Stephen. I thought Game On was going to be broadcast around Craven Cottage there. I was like... we've It's been silent the whole time. All I could hear is sprinklers, and as soon as you come to me, ding, dong. Like, perfect timing. No. That's an Nelson for Lee Carsley, by the way. Sorry. No. No. Listen, yeah, the fact he hasn't ruled himself out, it's great. Um, the fact that, you know, I, I think we can cling on to that hope that there's a possibility of getting him because at the moment, he's the only real candidate that seems like someone that everybody would be happy to get on board with. Um, his, what he's done under AJ England has been fantastic. He's extremely highly thought of. And I know he has such a such a love for, for Ireland, so it would be great to get him involved. It's just whether or not we can get that over the line. And that's, that's, it. that's going to be the key issue, is what, what we're offering him and what we want. And I think... Ireland going forward the fact that they want involved in the developing of players which is what Lee has been doing for the last 10 years in the in the FA and with Man City and other academies that that would bode well but at the end of the day we want a manager that's got to come in and get a team to a position where they can qualify for tournaments and that's what the remit is I know Stephen Kenny you know he fell on that sword where he's trying to bring players through but at the end of the day it's going to be down to can he get us to a point where we can qualify and hopefully Carsley is someone if he does take the job that can do that with a bit of luck, he can. Tony, obviously on the RTU News website, it still says Roy Keane hasn't ruled himself out of the job. Is that Nor has he, no. And I mean, it'll news? be interesting to see if we can get any indication uh, from the board members if that, if that comes up. Because will, you know, Mark Hannum, Jonathan Hill uh, and Packy Bonner go through all of the people that they met, all the people they spoke to uh, and, and where... where the conversations were left or whether there were any conversations with the likes of, of Roy Keane uh, I noticed Robbie Keane's name was in the uh, was in the betting uh, list as well uh, you, you know so I mean it'll it'll be very much dependent on, on how much information the board are given I'd expect them to be uh, given a lot of information this is the, the all new singing dancing transparent FAI and, and to be fair there's been very few leaks out of Abbottstown over this process so far 
which is unusual if you look back at the history of the association where uh, you know they were even giving out about it themselves a lot of their uh, information had leaked out into the public domain uh, ahead of board meetings and, and, and before uh, they had a chance to discuss them at that level Alan, Roy Keane, Robbie Keane big names, new manager of the Stadium would they fill it quicker than Lee Carsley? I'm not sure if they'll fill it quicker, but they're box office names, absolutely. But I just want the right man for the job, um, Ruby. And to be fair, those three names that you mentioned, I think everybody could get on board with that, depending on, I suppose, what side of the line you're from. But I think from a Roy Keane standpoint, people will look back at his most recent um, managerial experience, and it's been quite a while. But in terms of a name and a profile and from a financial aspect and trying to get a sponsor, I think people will be queuing up at the door. But from the football aspect, I still would have Carsley as a candidate and and the head one. because he's obviously still he's involved at the moment currently doing his job he's been involved as Stephen said with a lot of the U teams over the years and his stock is very very high and he's very highly regarded hence the fact that he's in with the England under 21 so I think from a footballing point of view I would have Carsley but if you're looking for someone to fill the Aviva Stadium and fill press conferences and fill content and fill anything else that you want with Roy Keane and that's not taken away from his managerial side of things as well um, I'm a huge fan of Roy Keane and I don't think we should be disrespectful towards that either he did a very good job at Sunderland things didn't work out for Ipswich, but that's not to say he couldn't come in and do a very good job here who's to know that So, uh, but I think Carsley would be my prime candidate to be honest Stephen there are the three Trapatone names Trapatone used to call Sorry, Tony. So, sorry, I was just going to say, Trapatoni used to talk a lot about the little details, about the little details. Uh, they're big details, really, when you're trying to you know, put a management team together because it's not just the manager or the head coach. Uh, they'll want to you know, have say over their backroom team. And if Mark Hannum, as director of football, wants to implement this football pathway... He'll maybe want to have, you know, uh, some coaches that are working already in the Irish system, maybe to be involved with the with the national side as well. Uh, so little details have to be ironed out. The, the hope was that the new manager could be in place for Thursday week, which is when the the draw for the Nations League takes place in Paris. But that's not essential because yes, we have a couple of friendlies in March against uh, Belgium and Switzerland, uh, a game confirmed against Hungary in June. Uh, but we're not in in competitive action until next autumn. So, you know, in in the ideal world, and maybe this will come true, uh, maybe we'll have someone in place uh, by Thursday week uh, who will travel to France representing Ireland, uh, and and, uh, on we go with the the next year of Irish football. Uh, Or maybe it'll take a little while longer, but I think it will be worthwhile waiting to get all the details in place and to get the right man for what is a, a hugely important job. I mean, you know, still the national men's senior team are the engine of the association in terms of uh, in terms of attendances and television rights and uh, and all the other things that goes with it. And the, the hearts and minds as well. I mean, you know, we do need we do need heroes. We do need our national football team to be the most important team in the country again. Um, and and that needs to happen soon. Well, hopefully it will happen soon. We can speculate all night, but until Tony Donoghue, you hear a bit more in Aberstown, I think we should... Gus Poyet was uh, spotted in Tolka Park. I will say that. (laughs) Coming in to help Damien. He was spotted everywhere in Dublin. Uh, The amount of people that spotted Gus Poyet, and he was only here for about an hour. So, yeah. (laughs) Mark Rashford's not playing for an order now. That's cute, Mark, as well, didn't it? Ruby, you just said we could speculate all night. I thought that was an invitation. Anyway, sorry, you were going to move the conversation on there. I was going to go to Stephen Kelly. I mean, he's in Craven Cottage. Everton are going to start playing there in about an hour and a half's time. <laughs> What's happening in Craven Cottage? 
well, the Fulham players are just held on the pitch, having a look at it. Surface looks amazing. So yeah, you get you get it's funny. You get back here again. You get like itchy feet, just you dying to go back out on the pitch. But um, yeah, big game for both teams. Really is. Um, Fulham looking to get towards the middle of the table. Everton looking to get a get a bit of a distance between themselves and the bottom three. So yeah, huge game. And Fulham have got three players away in Africa and Cup of Nations that are really important to them. And um, Wobi, Bassi, um, the two that start regularly. So yeah, it's it's a really big game here for both these sides. I go to race courses all the time, Alan. I never get itchy feet to go back out. On them. <laughs> what, about you when you go to, what about you when you go to yeah. a football pitch? Yeah, um, a little bit, Ruby, especially when you see the quality of the pitches nowadays compared to what I was playing on a few years ago. But uh, even even we were at the Spurs match Friday night and the pitch, the first thing I noticed when I walked yeah. into the ground, it's snooker table stuff. It's incredible. I don't know yeah. how these fellas can't control the ball and when we see so many mistakes <laughs> when they're playing on snooker tables. But a uh, big game, as Stephen said, obviously everything we know, I think that appeal has been heard this week as well about mm. the points, but they can't concentrate too much on that. They have to concentrate on the on-the-field stuff, Ruby, and that's a huge game. Obviously, Fulham themselves will be looking to bounce back because they went out of the two cups. They got beat by Liverpool, obviously, in the Carling Cup as well. Uh, last week and went out of the FA Cup at the weekend so it's a big game for both teams um, and obviously I think it's mm. I think it's a bigger game for Everton because of obviously what's mm. at stake and where to find themselves in the league table at the moment There are loads of other games Arsenal are travelling to Nottingham Forest Stephen Palomine got to the Forest game actually I feel sorry from Forest fans but only Arsenal <laughs> should should win that one shouldn't it? Yeah, we think Arsenal that would be comfortable enough for us. Every now and again, they keep up putting a decent result up. But they're a team, they're firmly in it. And Arsenal are looking to, to climb to back to the top of that table as quick as they can, really. Um, not being as, I suppose, comprehensive that they were at the start of the season, but they're, they're still winning a show. And I think going to Forest, these are games that they have to win if they if they see a chance of actually winning the title. So this this is a must-win for Arsenal and keeping their, their credentials alive and Forest to be clinging on to try and get something from that game if they can. Villa Newcastle, sorry, Shane. Villa Newcastle, Alan, is probably the... <laughs> the most high profile game maybe but Newcastle are sort of in free fall aren't they? Yeah it's the game I'll be going home to watch Ruby I think it's the game of the night to be honest with you and Aston Villa who were getting rave reviews all season done an unbelievable job obviously Unai Emery but the last couple of weeks two draws one in the FA Cup um, disappointing draw away against Everton as well so they'll want to get back to winning ways and Newcastle as you say they had a good win in the FA Cup at the weekend beating Fulham I think that was important for them beginning to get a couple of players back so the break might have come at a good time for them but they do need to get get themselves back up the table um, because there is a bit of pressure coming on Eddie Howe I think it's a bit kind of um, I don't think it's too I don't think it's too fair to be honest with you because I think he's done an unbelievable job and there's obviously factors as to why the season hasn't been good in terms of the Champions League and, and the workload that they've had and the amount of injuries that they've had most importantly they've been decimated at times this season but I think he's done a brilliant job since he's gone in there but I do think he needs to start picking up the odd the next couple of wins because um, the pressure can mount fairly quickly especially on Tyneside uh, and I, I wouldn't like to see it mount too heavily on him because as I said I think he's a really good manager who's done a great job so hopefully he can get back to winning ways with Newcastle Two of the bottom three also in action Luton host Brighton and Sheffield United are away at Crystal Palace it certainly will be difficult to see if either of those sides will pick up a point we're going to take a short break uh, Tony O'Donoghue thank you very much for joining us Stephen Kelly enjoy Fulham versus Everton Alan you're sticking around because we're going to chat Dublin Horse Racing Festival with Ruby leading the chat Alan with respect I'm going to let Ruby lead the chat I have a few strong <laughs> but, opinions myself <laughs> but there's I'm lots more to, to I'm looking forward to <laughs> lots more to come here in Game On 2FM 2FM. 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 2FM.
Now it is time to chat racing here on Game On 2FM. Alan Colley is still with us. Um, Ruby, if I come to you though, Dublin Racing Festival this Saturday and this Sunday. Uh, day one, this was a feature of the Paddy Power Irish Gold Cup. Day two featuring the Chanel Farmer Irish Champion Hurdle. But I'm not just saying it to, to promote it, and it is a bit cliche, but there genuinely is just so much to look forward to. Ah, uh, there is. Um, look, 16 races, 12 of them live on RT Racing as well. So even if you can't make it to Leperstown, but huge, there'll be a huge influx of English race course as well, uh, Shane, which has been the biggest growth in this Dublin Racing Festival from a race course point of view, is the amount of English people that actually come now to watch the Irish horses. There'll be as many racing people coming to Dublin this weekend as there nearly will be football fans going to watch Premier League games in the UK. It's a complete role reversal, and that's a massive, massive growth. Is that in the only in the last couple of years? No, bank holiday in February is, is an appealing. The bank holiday. I don't yeah. think Bridges Day is a bank holiday in the UK. I could, I could be wrong now. Uh, maybe they have a, a bank holiday in, in the UK next Monday, but I doubt it's for St Bridges Day. <laughs> um, but it, it is, and it's the quality of horses that are in Ireland. Now I know it's a meeting that will be dominated by the bigger Irish trainers, and it will be heavily supported by Willie Mullins, but. Look, it is two days of crack and racing, and there are very few of the best horses that won't be there. Okay, you're going on the Saturday, Alan. I'm going to hopefully go on the Saturday. If there's anyone you know who might get me a ticket or two, Shane, you know yourself. Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping to go Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. But just on that as well, Ruby, I suppose, we're six weeks, I think we are, out from Cheltenham. And obviously all the years that you rode, you would have gone for maybe Christmas and the, and the Christmas period with some of the top horses and then they might not have ran then to, until Cheltenham. Just no, in terms of the preparation, did, did since this has come in, Ruby, um is is that a good thing for the horses that they're sti- that they're running only four or five weeks out from Cheltenham or the longer break if you were going from Christmas to Cheltenham? What what's kind of a better preparation? Al, I thought you were a Harden fan. Well, I am. I am. He's, a he's calling you. Out here. I want to get your insight on. He's calling you out, Colin. He did. So the Dublin Racing Festival is an amalgamation of two meetings that were always there. So the Irish Champion Hurdle would have been last Sunday, and the Irish Gold Cup would be Sunday week. So they actually took the two meetings and put them together on this upcoming weekend and they brought in an extra day for it was earlier in the month in Leperstown as well to bring the, all the races together. But the races were always there. When Hurricane Fly was winning Irish Champion Hurdles at the end of January and then you'd have the Irish Gold Cup a fortnight later, they just put the two of them together and made one monster weekend out of it. And it's made it a real success. But the, the races are no different. They've okay. always been there. There's no difference in the preparation. It has been an unbelievable success, though, hasn't it? There has been a huge success. Um, and like even last year, look, I know, as I said, people will say, "Oh, it's, it's Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott, Henry de Bromhead, a little bit of Joseph O'Brien, and a few people like that." But it's the quality of the horses. And you've watched it last year when Willie threw Dysart Dynamo, Il Fabiolo, and appreciated in against each other in last year's Arkle. It was a cracking race. This year, that could be Marine National with maybe Gallic Warrior and Facile Vega taking them on. You'll have the Spring Juvenile Hurdle, which could see any number of horses from Stormheart, Salvador Mundi, Calaconti, Bunding, Cargisi, Intelato. Every race is really, really strong. And then in the Irish Gold Cup, you could have Gallop in the Champ and, and Faster Slow. And that'd be a race lots of people would want to see. Faster Gallop in the Champ was brilliant at Christmas. Faster Slow beat him in the John Durkin. So, like, it's just there's really good races start to finish and whilst a lot of them revolve around X amount of trainers the prize money is so big these are all here having a go and they're taking each other on Final words to you Ruby what are you most looking forward to if you have to narrow it down to pick one I always look forward to seeing Gallop in the shop I think he's an incredible horse I had an unbelievable treat this morning I got to ride him work so I'm hoping he wins at the weekend um, in the Chanel Farm you'll have Stateman versus Imperia Pass in the Dublin Chase 
Ascot's loss it'll be Leperstown's gain you'll have uh, Il Fabiolo and they've a cracking novice hurdle then the Tattersalls Ireland novice hurdle Ballyburn Farron Glory Stade, Slade Steel they're just the future is bright you said to Stephen sorry Ruby dear that you don't get itchy feet anymore when you go to the races surely that gave you the buzz riding gallop in the shop this morning it did but I had no intention or interest or want to ride him at the weekend tell <laughs> 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 you to God honest truth. and he actually was the only day I actually have missed riding since I retired was when Faheen won here at the Dublin Racing Festival now I wanted to be on his back when he came back into the parade ring to the reception he was getting I didn't want to be on his back at any stage during the race I just wanted the adulation when it was all over and the build up as well I'd imagine all, I, all the trade. I don't miss the build up at all I do not miss the pressure of expectation. It's it's amazing to me, Ruby, when you talk and say that that you you've literally just parked it. Oh yeah, I was finished with it, um, and I don't miss. And I, I I look at different people, and I can see it a little bit in Paul Town and this week, and you see it in him as he gets older too. But the pressure of expectation, you see it on Willie Mullins, on Gordon Elliott, you'll see it on Paul Town and this weekend. I don't miss that. Well, you had a decent career, to be fair. You so, did yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Racing's losses, RTE's gain. You're going to be, I'm sure you're, you're on the box. It's on the television. I am indeed, I am indeed. Uh, and so if you don't get those tickets, Alan, you can watch it. Yeah, RT I wonder if someone might have me RT television this weekend. <laughs> send you a number there for Leperstone. Oh, one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are going to take another short break. Alan Colley, gentlemen, uh, pleasure chatting. Uh, we are going to be speaking to Ronan O'Gara. So stay with us here in Game On 2FM. Game On. Rugby. So welcome back to Game On, where I'm delighted to say we have been joined from La Rochelle in France by Ronan O'Gara, who went to France for the money. If he'd stayed at home for an Irish job, he'd be off, but unfortunately, he has to take on Montpellier this weekend. Ronan O'Gara, how are you? Good, Ruby. How is life in France? One beaten run came to a, an abrupt halt at the weekend when Toulon did you? Yeah, very disappointing, exactly. So uh, people at home find us... Um, hard to believe yeah but like uh, the top 14 is a grind and the fact that I can't believe we're playing a Six Nations game this weekend it's come up quickly an unbelievably exciting game mind you at the weekend which it wasn't us against Toulon where we could have won the game 10 times but we managed to find a way to lose so um, this week has been a pretty uh, dour week to say the least but we've got a home game now uh, against Montpellier at the weekend but um we uh, yeah we had gone four games in a row and you're hoping to continue winning but uh, as you said not good enough at the weekend so um, that's my little gig at the minute is top 14 every week and I will watch the game with huge interest on Friday night on the coach with a cup of tea not so bad the Irish match is in Marseille will that be much of a drawback for the French going out of Paris down to Marseille obviously they're playing in Lille Lyon as well how big a fortress is Paris or it's just being in France going to be enough for the French no it's interesting you know I think um, they were smart to put the Irish game in Marseille as opposed to Lyon or Lille you mean um, anyone who knows a small bit about football the history involved in um, Marseille is huge it's a very very uh, passionate city uh, there's huge interest in the game over here for Friday night there's a good respect for Ireland obviously in what they've done leading up to the World Cup, the World Cup not included, but France had their own problems in trying to uh, pick the pieces out of their underperformance against South Africa. So uh, I would say, not I would say, I'm confident in saying that um, 
France playing in Marseille will be a, a big bonus to France. It's a really, really intimidating ground with passionate fans who get their sport. The pitch would be better. The atmosphere would be better if you're French and it'll make for Cauldron on Friday night. But from an Irish point of view, I think you can flip that on its head and create a great story. And if Ireland were to... To, to win this game it would be up there with our top achievements in the Six Nations for me definitely Can this be the game of the tournament nearly even before Paul is being kicked are we are we looking forward to is this kind of the magnitude of what this can be in Marseille and Friday Ronan? Yeah I think it is yeah I think it is that simple even though people will want to maintain interest after uh, the first Saturday of the Six Nations but for me it's the best two teams comfortably going head to head Uh have the best two squads their their best 15 available no they don't uh, a France team without Dupont Intermac Mafou who wouldn't be a household name in France three world class players and that phrase is thrown around too easily but for me they are France are different when Dupont Intermac and this guy Mafou plays uh, but where France have an advantage over Ireland I think is probably just because of the the amount of strength and depth they have in, in key positions The new French captain is Gregory Aldrit who's obviously one of your men what sort of a character is he? A fascinating character in the fact he's old school but yet he's only 26 uh, really into I think the values the honesty the hard work the getting better getting your own kind of ship right before you offer an opinion to the team so leads by his act as opposed to his words but has a very very um, good insight on the strategy of the game too Ruby I think ideally placed to captain a team at eight he'll link really well with the backs and the forwards and has essentially um earned that right over a four year period where he's been very good for club and country in a way is he similar a younger version maybe of P. Romani and his understanding of the game and leading by example I know Greg would be ahead of where Peter Romani was at 26 I would think most definitely in the fact that I think Peter has got better with age and I think Peter has had to look in the mirror a few times there was question marks over his fitness maybe over his form but uh, like a lot of people when they hit 30 you either um, slip Sink, out through the small door swim. Or the, yeah correct uh, so um, you know I think he's earned the right at 34 to Captain Ireland because he's played not far off uh, his best rugby and he's been involved in big moments for Ireland for getting them over the line in big games and I think you mean if Ireland were to go down Friday night they'd be going down swinging because Omani would be at the centre of it and he's very proud and a very passionate Irish man and I think uh, presence in sport is huge especially in those okay, these occasions because if it's a one score game one team will blink after 75 minutes and one team will come up with the error and uh, from Ireland's point of view you would be pretty surprised if that was a Peter Omani error Is it going to be that close heading into the last five do you think there's, there's not going to be too much to separate these sides? very hard to say because you try and explain from living over here to people that when you look at a performance graph for French players it can range between a 3 and a 10 in the same 80 minutes imagine saying that because with Irish people you mean so much of it is kind of an Irish players it's 
if you're having a bad day, it's probably a six, but maybe on the upswing, it can get to a, you know, an eight, an eight and a half. When it's a French player, it can actually uh, diverge between a three out of 10 and a 9.9 out of 10. Um, they're f- f- uh, freakish in the fact that uh, if they feel it, they can take their game to a level that they haven't seen before and, and repeat it. And then the energy of the Marseille crowd becomes the, the ace up their sleeve. So, um, that for me will be interesting to watch a guy like Jelly Bear, for example, who, when he feels it and gets in his groove playing in the top 14 for Bordeaux, he can become a world class player. You look at what South Africa did to him in the World Cup quarter final, where he actually broke him and he actually kicked the ball backwards off a penalty kick. It's a perfect example of how you can be rattled physically and mentally in a game. Um, so, the genius of Jelly Bear and the acceleration of Jelly Bear there's also the flip side if you get at him he can crumble he might crumble but you think this game is going to be incredibly close and if you look at the last time Ireland won in France it was in Paris 2018 and it took three minutes of magic uh, Johnny Sexton kicking it over the top Keith Earls winning it back and eventually Johnny Sexton kicking the drop goal they're both gone if this game gets down to being as close as you think it is do we have a magic man to win it for us? Maybe uh, not evident to to us at this stage because if it's Jack Crowley at that stage, it's obviously he's had an excellent 70 minutes because I think people outside of sport don't appreciate the amount of energy involved in leading the week for, for a rookie like Jack Crowley. I would say the key to Ireland succeeding at the weekend will be getting the best out of their two tens if that's Crowley if that's Frawley Frawley has come up with a big moment already even though it is a level below he kicked a 60 metre penalty against La Rochelle in the Champions Cup which for me is a good signal of things to come I don't think there's any issue with the temperament of Crowley I just think that at this stage what Farrell is really good is his man managing of players and getting the best out of them for me to beat France away you need to have your two rookie tens for want of a better word or inexperienced tens to get the best out of uh, them for 50 minutes 30 minutes 60 minutes 20 minutes 70 minutes 10 minutes depending on what scenario is presented to you but um, you know there's a starting point for everyone even the greats have a starting point and you don't know where their ceiling is so yeah we're um, rightly um, emphasising how good Johnny was in the green jersey now it's someone else's time and with the gradual progression of things you, you we may be talking about a brilliant great in another 10-12 years time in Crowley or Frawley either or you started your Ireland career trying to get David Humphreys' jersey. You finished it trying not to give it to Johnny Sexton. What is that? What is camp like when you have two players like like Frawley and Crowley going for a jersey? What is the competition between them like? Will it be as animos? Anim, what's the word I'm looking for? You're asking, Ron, will there be animosity because of that? Like there was between you and Johnny in the beginning. Um. No, I don't think so because um, it depends, you know, but when you have um, two stubborn guys and Johnny and myself, that was always going to be the starting point in the fact that 
Um, you mean there's a guy that's already in the position, there's no guy coming in, and that's there's obviously um, stuff that happens in club games between myself and Johnny that, that that's not seen, but it's recorded by the players. So you just every relationship is very different and you know, I can't comment on, on what it is like between Crowley and Frawley or Crowley or Harry Byrne Crowley Ross Byrne but uh, there's a skill involved in, in, a, in a really good manager or coach and how you manage that and I think that's what Farrell is very good at the fact that he knows at this stage that uh, for example uh, when Johnny was there there was a gulf in class be, probably between himself and the next opponent when I was there for a number of years there was a golf in class between me and the next guy up when Johnny came he was he came in uh, having had a long number of years frustrated in the club game and then the provincial game and then saying this is what I want and as you say when you're a competitor you don't hand over things easily and that's the way that relationship was but I think what you have now is that uh, Jack Crowley will be given the keys it's up to him to drive it in the short term if he keeps making progress he'll keep control of the jersey if he doesn't then there are able and um, um, valuable alternatives to that and that's just the laws of professional sport that's how it works you know because nowadays uh, unless you're a complete um, freak and that happens in one or two positions uh, their competition nowadays is so much different to what it was when I was starting off in an Irish jersey it was just easier for me to make mistakes and get picked again As a, a head coach Ronan are there more stubborn players the players you want even across the pitch so the likes, there's a lot of talk of will Joe McCarthy start, start at lock and, and if so in place of who and then that will have ramifications on who starts in the back row will an Irish captain Peter Romani we have to look over his shoulder etc so is it, as a coach do you want those stubborn players because ultimately from the outside looking in they're going to be driving each other on yeah um the players are very easy genuinely to 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 manage at that level I think because there's never an issue with motivation these guys have an enormous appetite to win it's nearly sometimes being able to offer them something to just to hold them back uh, in terms of their capacity to to scan or stay in the moment that does the difference because what separates the good from the great at this level is their their capacity to think when the air gets very thin and when their heart is beating over whatever 200 beats per minute that's why people make errors at the fact that they can't control I suppose their heart rate to make them in a uh, in a composed state to make decisions and all the greats are able to see where the space is but are they able to move the ball into space or from a forwards point of view it's very different in the fact that most of their job is about winning collisions and getting fast ball for the backs and making dents in the in the French team. If you're a a half back or a centre, your capacity to kind of impact the game line but also move it away from where the wall of French defenders are. Your I suppose your set of your criteria for making decisions at the top level is hugely dependent on how you're able to process information in a very muddled um, thinking frame if that makes sense it's not just reactions um, 
it's reactions, it's instinctive, but it's also your capacity to prepare well during the week and the fact that I think France will give us this from their 10, 12, 13 open side winger. Okay, we've prepped this, but what happens if France give you in the live 10, 12, 13, and maybe the winger in a different position? Then everything you've planned essentially goes out the window, Ruby, because you've been given a different uh, set of defensive, I suppose, shape that you need to break down. And if you keep kind of doing what was robotic and what the, I suppose, the second team or the under-20 team presented during the week, because this is what we thought France were going to defend. But like smart defences changed their picture. So it's your capacity in the live to to scan and go okay we need to do this and then it gives you a greater option of of getting the results you want so yeah it is homework reactions it's the ability to play in the moment so who with a young 10 would be the person that would be leading that line Gary Ringrose would he be the communicator the person that can make those decisions with his heart thumping at over 200 beats an hour Um. yeah but there's nothing like giving ownership to the guy with the ball. So if that is the, it happens, it's a domino effect from inside to out. You get me with the ball, but it's actually a domino effect from outside to in with communication. So the capacity for the 13 to feed the 10, the right information, as opposed to talking for the sake of talking. Your blindside winger is the key man and the fact that feedback on your inside. I remember the greatest exponent of that for me was Doug Howard. Every time there was... Doug was a right winger so every time there was a set piece scrum liner on the right hand side I had a computer playing inside me to see kick space pass space or chip space so every time kind of people said geez, what a pass what a kick it was actually Howell had seen the thing three minutes before to inform me of where to do and then you had a guy like a Tupoki outside you who all he used to ever do was just kind of call plus or minus to either for plus he wanted me to put a bit of speed on the pass if it was a minus he wanted a little bit less on the pass so he could go out attack an inside shoulder of the defender so a little kind of communication on the run when you've relationships established between your players is what's absolute key and that for me is where it becomes fascinating you have the DNA of the X factor of French players against the cohesive well-oiled phase attack of an that are extremely fit that go head to head this weekend that comes down to meticulous organisation and I think in one of, one of the, the tournament previews it had Ireland making a tournament high average in, in, in the previous Six Nations and obviously a Grand Slam of 149.8 purses per passes per match that's trusting the, the skill of the players that's trusting that they have the composure the, the game intelligence and now exactly. we see Johnny Sexton who was probably the orchestrator of, of that passing network that, that offsets the, the volume of the passes which again I think in, not to get bogged down with too many stats but it was the lowest average pass distance of the tournament 6.3 metres so therefore if there's no Johnny is it a completely new approach for Andy Farrell in Ireland? No I don't think so you know because there's always what's and ifs and I'm a, I, I mean massive but like in the World Cup quarterfinal a guy at 38 if you had a guy coming in fresh for 15 minutes that can dent the game line Johnny is a brilliant organiser but at that stage did he have enough oomph to take on the all black line you know that's always a question that can be asked with with, with the utmost sincerity and 
respect for what the guy has achieved. But you mean with Crowley, he's he has that uh, capacity to it. All he has the same, but they don't have the tactical nose that Johnny has. Far from it, you know. So it's a case of what you lose in one hand you gain on something else Ronan lots to look forward to with rugby this weekend we really really appreciate you uh, taking the time to to chat us here thank you man game on rugby that was Ronan O'Gara speaking uh, with thanks to Guinness who are providing fans with an exclusive opportunity to win match tickets and unique match day experiences Um, log on to guinness.com for more details on that however we are going to finish this evening's show Ruby by chatting to Raf Diallo from RTE Sport because the AFCON is ongoing in fact there's one match ongoing at the moment Raf I'm right in saying yeah and Mali are leading Burkina Faso 2-1 and uh, the prize for the winner would be to meet the host nation Ivory Coast who dumped out the holders and joint favourites Senegal last night on penalties and it was kind of unexpected despite having home advantage Ivory Coast had barely scraped into the last 16 But and also you have to add in the fact that they have a bit of a manager bounce as well because uh, they got rid of Jean-Louis Gasset I hope I'm pronouncing that okay and yeah. they brought in their assistant Emerson Fay, who's a former Ivory Coast international capped many a time during the golden generation era and now he is steadying the ship it seems even though it wasn't all that steady last night well I think there's, there's a bigger issues at play which I only found out a few hours ago when I was reading up on it they tried to get Herb Renard to manage them who's currently with the French women's team but just because he's at the tournament so they got on to the French Football Federation like any chance I was like that's just chance in the arm ah Bizarre stuff, bizarre stuff. Uh, what else is happening? Uh, there's a match on this evening. Which Mor- is Morocco, who are now the favourites. They're taking on South Africa, and they're on the side of a draw, the draw where Nigeria are as well. So Nigeria got through after beating Cameroon. They play Angola on Friday night in the quarterfinal. And uh, Pico Lopez, who I think we're the we're, he's the yeah. one we're sort of following uh, along the tournament at the moment with Cap Verde, they're already safely through and they would face Morocco. That would be the big prize for them. But it's so open at the moment. I mean, you, you look at Cap Verde and you would think because they're traditionally a minnow that they might not mm. go on and win it. But we could actually be looking at Pico Lopez going from a four in a row Shamrock Rovers champion to lifting the AFCON. What a story that would be. It is It is very open. And that side of the draw, of course, you would look at it and think Nigeria and Morocco will probably meet in the semi-final. And then the other side, Ivory Coast, will face either uh, DR Congo or Guinea if uh, they were to get past Mali or Burkina Faso whichever one gets through okay but looking at the fo- you can't look at the form book basically no, there, looking there at is the form no, book there, there is, is no there form, is no form, book form, form in, in book here, no no definitely yeah. not so it, it is it is hard to predict because I would have looked at it at the beginning of the tournament you know Senegal Morocco they top their groups they're going to meet in the final you know mm. there'll be a lot of uh, there'll be a lot of drama in between and uh, but at the end like the world cup generally the the big hitters get to the end but as we've seen you can't trust any team so it, it could really be anyone and even on the other side of the draw where Guinea and DR Congo neither have been particularly impressive but the way things are going um, anything could happen especially they're on Ivory Coast side of the draw where of course uh, as we said Mali and Burkina Faso okay. and it looks like Mali um, are lurking Okay So Raf, you're not going to get off the fence and just give us one team No uh, the splinters are very much uh, <laughs> sharpened into my you backside can't. at the moment unfortunately, unfortunately Ruby But what you can guarantee is just entertainment like Oh you, indeed yeah From the, watching yeah, it The quality of the tournament isn't all that good because you have to remember the best teams in this tournament are generally on average last 16 in mm. the World Cup but 
be that as it may, it's nicely chaotic, thrilling and entertaining at the same time. It's a tournament that you're not allowed to score tap-ins, I believe. They're only crackers. Any any goal I've seen from the tournament has just been this like stunning effort. Indeed. Any chance we can get into it, no? Um, who knows? No. Well, we had we had Chris Hewton. Chris Hewton. Yeah, Chris Hewton was representing know, us. Yeah. That was representing um, when he was for, former Ghana manager. Hasn't even been brought up in the FAI conversations earlier with Tony O'Donoghue, um, to be fair. But we shall see. We shall see. It did lead me to going down a bit of a... Uh, a, well, a bit of a rabbit hole a little bit earlier on in, ma- in managers who've been sacked during a World Cup or during a big tournament Ruby any off the top of your head a few curveballs here now so like I won't hold yeah, against you you cut me completely on the back foot now but I'm sure there are plenty of no. obvious ones when you say no. this is where Shane gets to show off now this is, this is where well like until I try to pronounce the names Raph see there's, there's oh, yeah, no well, showing off yeah. here but I'm not much better on names, that front how do you know expect anybody to know the answer to this question Carlos Alberto Saudi Arabia France 98 Chabum Kun South Korea France 98 Henrik Kasperzek Tunisia France 98 as well and Andy Beattie in Scotland 94 the World Cup in 94 Scotland the manager relation there with three of them going missing in France that maybe the Vineyards took over no? <laughs> The teams may have been out at the time as well. So, however, and Julian Lopetegui, twenty. That was on the eve of the tournament, from on what I remember. Yeah, just okay. before. Yeah. Well, sure. I, I get to show off, Raf. You know what I mean. Uh, until the, some text in five one five five two, that was pronunciations were a bit wrong. But however, Raf Diallo, thank you very much, Ruby. That's all we have time for. Cheers, Shane Dawson. <laughs> Pleasure. Better than Silva is up next. So do stay tuned to Two FM from myself, from Ruby. Massive thank you to Ron Lawler and Lordy Davis working on this evening's show. We'll be back tomorrow, six o'clock, from all of the game on team. It is bye for now.